let's uh, turn our attention to Luke chapter number 5. Luke 5 will be in verses 27 through 32. Oh, also, too, there will be a young adult uh, lunch after church. We got moles. There's going to be plenty of food. Please come and please eat all that food because we don't want to throw it away. So it, it, if you have no desire to get involved with the young adult ministry, that's okay. Still come, still eat the food, and have a great day. Luke, 20, uh, Luke chapter number 5, verses 27 through 32 declare. And after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And when the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well need no, need, uh, have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Uh, just for a few moments this morning, I want to share uh, from a very simple subject title. We want to talk about an invitation to follow, an invitation to follow. Let me, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that you give us uh, to be able to dig deep into your word. God, I pray that you would give us fresh eyes. I pray specifically that you would illuminate this passage. God, I pray that you would give all of us a fresh perspective of what you are communicating in this text. God, help us to move past uh, checking off a box. God, help us to move past our thoughts about what will happen later on today or even next week. God, but help us to focus uh, primarily on your word. God, we are here to hear from you, not to hear from a man, not to simply hear from a great uh, group of musicians, God, but we want to clearly hear from you. Speak to us, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Uh, many of us have never heard of the term or the idea of a fifth columnist. The concept goes all the way back to the Spanish armies that would fight back in the day. They would go into battle, and when they would go in, the army would march, and the army would be committed uh, to, to marching in four specific columns, and they would do a frontal assault. The nation being under attack would think, Oh, we see the four columns when we see uh, the attack that is coming before us. They thought that because they could see the attack and because they had great walls of, of protection, they thought that they would be okay. What they did not realize was not only did they have the four uh, columnists that were coming in the frontal assault, there was actually a fifth column that was coming uh, in a different way. Uh, they knew that uh, to have victory, they knew that uh, to, to have a, a successful attack, they would be more effective if they implanted soldiers into the culture. So years before they would do an attack, years before they would come with the frontal assault, they would send representatives from the kingdom. They would send representatives from the army, and they would implant themselves in every aspect of the culture. They will become doctors. They will become lawyers. They, will, they would even uh, become politicians. They would even serve in the other country's army. All because they understood that at the moment of attack, at the moment of conflict, they would have more success if they had someone in every aspect of the culture. I want you to think for a second about the calling that we have to follow Jesus. I want you to think for a second uh, the, the invitation that we have to follow Christ. 
Uh, some of us have believed the lie that the invitation to follow Jesus means that you and I should live as spiritual hermits by ourselves. Uh, we have believed the lie that we are to live on an island to ourselves, that we are to live in a holy huddle disconnected from the world. But I want to remind all of us, specifically I want to remind myself this morning, that God has called us to be in the culture. That God has called us to be in the world while not being of this world. And what God desires for every believer, what God desires for every single member of the body of Christ is that you and I would be so implanted in the culture, that we would be so engaged in the culture that we can influence the culture with the values of God's kingdom. God has not called you to do life by yourself. God has not called you to live this life in such a way where you are disconnected with people who don't go to church. God has not called you to live in such a way where you cannot have a relationship with somebody who does not name the name of Jesus. But God has called you to live in such a way. God has called you to have a profession in such a way. God has called you to have a lifestyle and a family in such a way where you are ingrained in every aspect of this culture so that every aspect of our culture can be, can be impacted with the values of God's kingdom. That's essentially the invitation that we see in the text. The invitation that we see in the text is not just one of salvation. I think that we need to be, uh, be reminded specifically that the invitation to follow Jesus definitely delivers us from hell. It delivers us from a life separated from a uh, It delivers us from a life spent in eternity that is separated from God. We know that from our faith, but I want you to see this as well. The invitation to follow Jesus also delivers us from a meaningless life. God did not save you to simply leave you here to have a mean, meaningless and purposeless life. God saved you so that you and I can live out the purposes of God. And when we think about the text, when we think about the invitation to follow Jesus, we see very clearly that what God desires is that God would use someone to reach other people. That in, that in impacting you, that you would one day be an impact and an influence on other people. We consider this idea, this idea of the invitation. Let's first look at the legacy of the Levite, the legacy of the Levite. Verse 27 once again says, and after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the booth. Uh, when the majority of us hear the word taxes this time of year, uh, we usually get excited because we know that there's a tax return coming. Uh, some of y'all can't wait for that W-2 to get in the mail because you're ready to spend some money. You're ready to order some stuff. You're ready to spend that little check that you're about to get. Uh, in the text, though, there was no such thing as an excitement concerning the idea of a tax collector. Uh, there, was no, uh, there, was no, uh, there was no aspect of life where you would see a tax collector or see taxes and be excited. Uh, for, uh, for the people in the culture, uh, the tax collectors were the most despised, they were the most cruel, and they were the most hated, or some of the most hated people in the community. Why? Because they were cruel, but also because they had, they had, many of them had abandoned their identity. To become a tax collector in the culture was like operating a franchise of a business. Uh, to be a tax collector meant that you were an individual who had purchased the rights to take over the taxes, to receive the taxes. It was like a small business. And like any small business, there was an investment that was needed to start the business. 
about reading historians and those who are inside and outside of the church, we know that individuals would usually sell pieces of property to get enough money to be able to become a tax collector. It was like buying into a small business franchise. Uh, they would take money. Uh, it would take a lot of money to get into the business. And what many people would do is they would sell any property that they, that they had and that property that they sold allowed them to be able to get into the business. When we think about selling property, uh, on one level, that doesn't seem all that unreasonable. Anyone who has an entrepreneurial spirit will understand that you've got to bet on yourself many times. But when we see the particular land that they sold, when we see it from a different context, we need to understand why the tax collectors were so hated in the culture. To appreciate the culture and appreciate the context, we need to understand that the people in the text didn't just sell any piece of property. Usually, the people in the text sold property that was connected to God's promised land. I want you to go with me quickly to Genesis 17. I think we, we read these passages together to make more sense. Genesis 17 simply declares, uh, chapter, chapter 17, verse 1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may take my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of the multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come, come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you, between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to, be, and to your offspring after you. Verse 8 is key. And I will give you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for the everlasting possession, I will, and I will be their God. This was not any piece of land that they would sell. The Jews would sell the promised land, the promised land that had been given to them by God. This is the same land that the Israelites and the Palestinians are fighting over today because this is a precious piece of land. This wasn't, any, this wasn't an issue of selling some underdeveloped piece of property that had no value. This was selling their birthright. This was like selling a promise from the Lord. This was them forfeiting what God had promised that they would have for the rest of their lives. For a Jew to sell a part of the promise was not just a statement of their lack of commitment to God. This was direct disobedience to God, and this was also sin. I want to say a side note because I think we all need to consider this. As believers, because we are in a covenant relationship with God, there are things that other people will be able to do that you cannot do because we are in a covenant relationship with God. To sell the property itself was not a sin. To sell, the prop to, to sell some property to start a business by itself is not an issue. The issue was the property was connected to God's promise. And rather than receiving and appreciating God's promise, they sold parcels of the promise because they wanted to get money from it to, to improve themselves. 
It reveals their lack of commitment to God. It reveals their lack of being committed to God's promise and God's provision. It's a reminder of what essentially happened in Genesis 25 with Jacob and Esau and he, how he sold his birthright for a, for a bowl of soup. This is why the tax collectors were hated because they essentially had committed spiritual treason. They had rejected their heritage. They had rejected the temple. They had rejected their God, and they were taking advantage of people. So the tax collectors were seen as worse than prostitutes in the culture. When you think about it, it's amazing that Jesus would invite this kind of person in because this kind of person would be despised in the culture. When you think about Levi, and think about uh, his name itself, Levi was uh, named after Jacob's third son. Uh, when you think about the Old Testament, you'll see that uh, the Israelites had a group of Levites. This was the group that after the Exodus uh, were named as, the, the, as the, the group of people, the group that would have the priestly order come from them. When others were unfaithful, they were faithful to God. When others were uh, willing to bow down uh, to, to, the, to the graven images, they were not. So the Levites were the people who were supposed to lead the culture closer to God. The Levites were supposed to be the people who were representatives of the Lord. And when you think about his name, while he was supposed to be a representative of God's culture, while he was supposed to be a representative of God uh, to the people, he was willing to forfeit what God had called him to do. He was willing to give up the calling on his life to represent another culture and to represent another kingdom. Rather than representing the Lord, he was willing to represent Caesar. When we consider his legacy, we need to see that he did not remember why God created him. We need to see very clearly that Levi did not place his identity in the right place. Biblically, names are significant because names reveal character. And we need to see that instead of living as a representative of God's kingdom, he made a decision to live as a representative of another man's kingdom. I want to say this very clearly because I think that we all need to consider this to be true. What kingdom are we representing? Are we to a place in our life where we have forfeited our responsibility to live for another kingdom. As we live our life, are we extending God's kingdom? Are we extending the world's kingdom? As we live our life, are we living in such a way where we are forgetting our identity? Are we forgetting who we are called to represent? Are we representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? If we're not careful, we will not only represent the wrong kingdom. I want you to catch this. We will actually live as double agents trying to serve both kingdoms. I think a lot of us understand our relationship with God. We understand the responsibility that we have with Jesus. We understand the blessings and the benefits that come as a result of following Christ. We know that God is real. We know that God is, is awesome. And we want those blessings. We want those benefits as long as it doesn't cost me anything. As long as it doesn't make me inconvenient. As long as it doesn't cause me to give anything up. A lot of us want to live in such a way, and when I say a lot of us, I'm talking about me. We want to live with, with one foot in each kingdom. We want to live operating in, in, as if we can benefit from having a relationship with God and also a relationship with the world. When I'm down and out, I want to be, be an agent of God's kingdom. When I need a word of encouragement, I want to be an agent of God's kingdom. 
when I got the big test or when I'm facing the surgery, when I'm facing the issues in life, I want God's favor. I want God's blessing. I want the Lord to be present with me. I want Jesus to walk with me in those moments. But when times get tough, when I get disconnected from the Lord, when God causes me to do things that crucify my flesh, I want to be a double agent. I want to work for the other team, right? Like, I want to, I want to benefit from the Lord, but I don't want to sacrifice myself. Like, I, I, I want the good things from God. I want the blessings. I want the peace. I want the favor, but I don't want to give up anything. I want to serve. I don't want to be patient. I don't want to be loving. I want to be kind because that ultimately costs me something. And a lot of times, we live as if we can have one foot in both kingdoms, and it's because we oftentimes do not live out the identity that God has given us. The issue of identity is something that I want to go over as many times as we can because the issue of identity gives me a new responsibility. When I say my identity, I'm speaking about the truth that once I place my faith and trust in Christ, I belong to God's family. That I should operate with a godly mindset. That I should operate and work with godly integrity. That I should live my life with godly lenses. That everything about my life should be changed in terms of my priorities because guess what? I have a new identity. Because I have a new identity, that means that the color of my skin comes after my identity. That means my character comes after my identity. That means that my schedule for the week and how I show compassion is all shaped by my identity in Christ. Because my identity points me back to God. And when I forget about my identity, when I forget about who I belong to, when I forget about the kingdom that I am called to represent, I forfeit what God has called me to do. So first, we need to consider the legacy of the Levite. But secondly, we need to consider the love of the Lord. Verse 27 says, once again, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named, named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. I want you to think about this for a second. Here you have a man who is representing the wrong kingdom. Here you have a man that is committed to extending the wrong kingdom. Here you have a man that is consistently celebrating the wrong king. And what does Jesus do to him? Does Jesus shame him? Does Jesus fuss at him? Does Jesus make him perform an act? No, Jesus simply invited him to follow. He invited him to leave everything that he knew to do things God's way. We're going to get there in a couple of months, maybe years, but I want you to go with me to Luke chapter number 9 quickly. I want you to read verse 23 for us. Luke 9, 23 says very clearly. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Say it again. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Following Jesus requires that we deny ourselves. That we reject what we want. Taking up our cross requires that we accept what God gives. And following 
is about the pursuit of the lifestyle. It is the pursuit of God. It is not what I'm going away from. It is what I'm going to. When we follow Jesus, we are not uh, committing to be perfect. We are not committing to be sinless. We are committing to live his way. We are committing to accepting his truth, and we are committed to receiving his life. In the text, this is a, this is a call, but it's more than just a simple call. This was a call, catch this, for Levi to be who God created him to be. This was a calling for Levi to help other people become who God had called them to be. Uh, One of my favorite movies of all time is the movie Lion King. Um, It's top five, hands down. If if Lion King is not in your top five, then you probably don't know Jesus. Um, I'm joking. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Seriously, seriously, because I'm about to say something that's important. There, there are a lot of scenes in the movie uh, that stand out. Like when Simba is introduced to Pride Rock, it's a great moment in the movie. When, when Mufasa rescues Simba from the hyenas, it's a great moment in the movie. Uh, when Simba uh, meets Timon and Pumbaa and they sing uh, the famous song, Akuna Matata, it's a, it's a great moment in the movie. But my favorite moment in the movie is when Simba is reunited with Nala. And he begins to ask the question, who am I? He's walking around the field. He sees Rafiki, the baboon. And the baboon tells him, he says, I know who you are. He says, you are Mufasa's boy. Simba is shocked and he says, wow, you knew my father. And Rafiki responds, he says, no, I know your father. Simba responds and he says, I'm sorry to tell you, but my father died a long, long time ago. And Rafiki responds, nope. You are wrong again. He says, your father is alive. He says, I'll show you to him. Rafiki runs away. Simba runs after him. Uh, Simba looks into the pool. Um, Rafiki tells him, look, and you will see your father. And there's this moment where he sees his father inside of the image. Then Mufasa comes, and his his voice comes. Although he's dead, his voice speaks to his son. And the voice says, I want you to catch this. He says, you are more than what you have become. His father speaks to him, and he says, son, you are more than what you have become. You are greater than what you have become. In a real way, the invitation to follow Jesus is the same thing. When Jesus speaks to Levi, he's telling him, my son, you are more than what you have become. He challenged Levi to be more than simply a tax collector. He's saying you you are created for more than just prostituting money. You are more than just taking advantage of people. You are more than just padding your pockets for selfish gain. And I want us to stop for a moment. I know The Lion King is a cartoon movie. It's a fictional story. But when you think about it, Simba was created to be a king. He was created to be strong. He was created to be a leader. He was created to reign. But he's in the jungle. He's hiding. He's Sorry to say it, he's hanging out with a bunch of losers. Timon and Pumbaa were losers. He was, he's a lion. Why are you hanging out with them? Like, this, is, this doesn't make sense. And when you think about that, that's how a lot of us Christians live. God cre- has created you for more than where you are. I'm not talking about money and cars. I'm not talking about education. I'm not talking about none of that. I'm saying that the life that God has for you is a life of significance. 
The life that God has for you is a life where you are making an impact on people. The life that God has for you is more than you just doing something for yourself. And until we get to the place where we understand that God desires more from us, we're going to be like Simba, just hanging out, just singing Okuda Matana. We are. We, you, I'm, I'm going to say it. Some of y'all know y'all should have been at Bible study this morning. But you at home, Akuna Matata, Akuna. <laughs> you know it. Some, some of y'all know that you should have invited somebody to church today. But Akuna Matata. That's how you operate. You know that there's a Bible study you need to start at your job. You know that there's somebody in your life that you need to share the gospel with. You know there's a family member who you need to call and pray with. You know there's somebody in your life who you need to forgive. You know that there are things in your life that God expects from you. And here's what you do. You're singing a song. Wasting time. And shame on us. As believers, shame on us. If we get to a place in our life where we understand that God expects more from us, but we expect or we accept less than God's best. The invitation that, that, that Levi responds to was an invitation to live a life of significance. The invitation that Levi responds to is an invitation that moved him from focusing on a life of self to a life where he was focused on others. Now, I can hear somebody saying in the crowd, dang, he said you being rough on us this morning. Like, I, I thought the Christian life wasn't about performing. I thought the Christian life was not about, you know, doing more stuff. And I want you to hear me clearly. I didn't say anything like that. I'm saying very clearly, though, that God does not want you to perform, but God does want you to have an impact. God does want you to live in such a way where you accept his calling, where you accept what he's called you to do and catch this. Because Levi was impacted by God, he makes a greater impact for God. Verse 29 says, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table. And Levi wasted no time. He gives his peers an opportunity to meet the Savior. At the responding to the call of Christ, he threw a grand celebration to honor Christ. It's a reminder that when our vertical relationship with God has changed, our horizontal relationships will change as well. I have never met a person. I have, never, I have yet to meet one person in my life who has been radically impacted vertically, who does not have a radical impact horizontally. I'm not talking about you being a missionary. I'm not talking about you leaving Athens. I'm not talking about you being a preacher. Forget all. I'm not talking about you going to seminary. I'm saying the more you are impacted vertically, it is impossible for you not to have an impact with other people. It is unnatural for a believer not to have an impact on another person. So many times we think it's, oh, you know, they're doing too much. They have Jesus freak. They're fanatic. Something's wrong with them. No, something is wrong with you if you're not doing that. Something is wrong with you if you don't have care and concern for other people. Something is wrong with you if you don't want other people to hear about Jesus. And in the text, you have a man who is accepted by God and catch this. He wants other people to know the same acceptance from God. If you don't want that for other people, there's something wrong with you, not other people. I'm not talking about you being a preacher. I'm not talking about you standing in a pulpit. I'm saying your heart's desire to see God work in the life of other people. He started right where he was. He was willing to throw a party so that other people could find 
acceptance in Jesus. So first, we must consider the legacy of the Levites. Secondly, we need to consider the love of the Lord. But lastly, we need to consider the lament of the legalist. Verse 30 says, And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They were upset because Jesus was willing to cross the line. They were upset because Jesus was willing to extend the love of the Lord. If you go back to Genesis, I don't have time because it's 11, 12, 15 already. You'll see that God's covenant with Abraham was with a well, with Abram was definitely with a specific group of people. But that covenant with a specific group of people was to be a blessing to every nation on the earth. God's heart has always been for every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people group. And if we are unwilling to do life with other people, how will we have an opportunity to give them an invitation to follow Jesus? If we are unwilling to throw a party for sinners, we are unwilling to cross the line, to be in relationship with people who are not like us, then how will we ever have an opportunity to show the love of Christ? Verse 31 says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's unfortunate that the Pharisees and the scribes in the text had gotten to the place where they thought that they did not need to be at the table. They thought that their performance, they thought that their knowledge of the scriptures, they thought that their attendance in the temple had gotten them to this place where they no longer needed to be at the table with Jesus. And I just want to say this very clearly. I'm a pastor. I'm a chaplain. Uh, I'm a committed follower of Jesus. But when I see this text, it's a reminder that I want to be at the table with Jesus. I'm sick. I need the physician. I am not righteous. I am a sinner. And I am one who needs repentance. And I am one who understands that when Jesus came, he was coming for me. It's easy for me to, to stand up here and look at you and say, hey, you need Jesus. No, I need Jesus. And because I have received forgiveness in Jesus, I want as many people as possible to experience that same forgiveness and that same freedom in Jesus. We'll get the band to come on back up as we get ready to close. When we think about our text, we think about our passage, we see very clearly uh, three uh, very clear and very simple points of application. We see three things that stand out to us in our text and three things that we want to consider as we get ready to close this morning. The first thing that we need to consider is this. We need to consider what legacy we are leaving. Everyone leaves a legacy. I love the passage because Levi began with leaving a bad legacy. But God was able to change and transform his life. A good start does not equal a bad finish. Just because you started off on a rocky path does not mean that God wants to, God will keep you on that path for the rest of your life. But I think there's a, another side to that that we need to hear. A good start does not also equal a good finish. As believers, we need to be consistently pursuing the Lord, no matter where we are. And we need to consider the legacy that we're leaving. Secondly, we need to consider as well the lifestyle that we're leaving. 
I really believe that what happened in the text of Levi leaving the booth is a reminder that there's some things in our life that God has called us to leave behind. Some people in our life that God has called us to leave behind. There's some mindsets, some practices, some habits, some fill fill in the blank, whatever you want to, that God is saying you need to leave at the booth and you need to follow me. For you to leave a legacy that honors the Lord, it's going to require that you leave some things, that you turn from some things and you pursue the Lord. And lastly, we need to consider the love that we're showing. In the text, Jesus crosses the line. He loves the unlovable. He loves one that the culture had given up on. And in in doing so, God used a man. He can use a woman as well. But God used a man specifically in the text to specifically reach a group of people who are being unreached. I really believe in my heart that there is a group of people in every person's life that you need to reach. There's a group of people in every person's life who God says you need to throw a party for. You need to be willing to invite. You need to be willing to, uh, to, to allow other people to experience the same forgiveness that you've experienced in Christ. If you're not doing that, my question has got to be, have you personally received that kind of forgiveness? Because once again, it's unnatural for a believer to not want to see other people become believers. 